0: Welcome to a bonus episode of the Savvy Shopkeeper Retail Podcast. The CARES Act was recently passed in the U.S. and shopkeepers have so many questions. Um, So I am so grateful that you agreed to record this call with me to help answer some of these questions, Sarah. I really appreciate you being here. I first want to say before um, I start speaking with Sarah, we just need to add a little disclaimer here that this is not tax or legal advice and you should consult your accountant or attorney or seek assistance from the SBA or your banker for your specific situation, but I really truly hope this helps all of you listening. So I wanna start off and um, I want Sarah to introduce herself. So Sarah, if you can tell me a little bit about yourself and your business, W.E. Profit Foundry.
1: Okay, sure. Uh, So my name is Sarah Nemechek and I'm so happy that you invited me on here today. I am a financial expert And I help women business owners truly understand their businesses and their numbers, and then build a relationship with
0: and beyond their money. I just wanna say that you've been extremely helpful. Um, You are a coach in Master Shopkeepers, and especially over the past two weeks, you've been really, really helpful and provided a ton of information to all of us. So, again, thank you for being here. Um, Let's just move right in. If we can start with some of the portions of the bill that pertain to us personally, What can you tell us?
1: Okay, so the bill has kind of three primary things uh, that I would talk about on a personal level. Uh, One is the direct checks that they're sending out, the stimulus checks, if you will, to most people in the US. Um, These checks will be based on your most recently filed personal income tax. So if you filed, basically it will be your 2018 or your 2019, depending on whether you filed yet for 2019. So if you are a single filer, you'll receive a $1,200 check. If you are married filing jointly, you'll receive $2,400. And for each child that you claimed as a dependent on your return, you'll receive an additional $500. Uh, It's been a little bit unclear about exactly when these will get in our hands. But they should be going out via electronic deposit if you have anything on file with the IRS from past tax returns. and otherwise they will be going out by check. Uh, They could be sometime in the next couple of weeks. They could be over the course of another month or so. And just to clarify, these are not included in your taxable income. So this is kind of like free money in your hand to get you out there using that money in the economy. Another nice provision is that student loan payments are automatically being deferred temporarily with no penalties. Um, You may have already received notice from your loan servicer And if not, you should be fairly soon. And you can always reach out and ask them about it as well. And the last piece is that if you do need extra funds, you may qualify to take a penalty-free withdrawal or get a relaxed terms on a loan from your retirement account. Uh, There's specific details about how that would go down, but if that's something that you are interested in, I would reach out to your specific retirement plan to find out information.
0: Okay. And then on the checks that we would receive personally, there are caps on that for salary, right? Oh, correct. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. If you are single, um, you would get the
1: full amount up to, uh, so it's based on your adjusted gross income. So if you, make more than $75,000 of adjusted gross income on your most recent tax return, you would start to phase out. As long as you are under that 75K, you'd get the full $1,200. And then for the married filing jointly filers, the the max is the 150K. So if you had adjusted gross income under 150K, you would get that full 2,400. And if you have over the 150K, it would start to phase out. Um, I don't know what the the actual final is, but it's, It's based in $100 increments of income over that.
0: Okay. And then as small business or small retail business owners, because that's mostly who's listening, um, I know it's normally challenging for us to qualify for SBA loans, but this act, the CARE Act, alleviates that issue for us. And it seems to be offering two options for relief in the form of business grants and loans. And I think this is where most shopkeepers are currently having a lot of questions. So from what I understand, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but from what I understand, there are two loan programs, the payroll protection program that everyone's calling the PPP loan or program, and then the emergency economic injury disaster loan. And that one is the EIDL. So if you can tell me a little bit about those two programs, that would be great. Sure. So
1: the CARES Act is basically relaxing several requirements and expanding the eligibility and accessibility on two existing SBA loan programs in ways that we've never seen before. So both the PPP, well, not not the PPP in this form. Basically, the PPP is it relaxes standards on what the regular SBA loan is for, And then the EIDL relaxes standards on the regular uh, disaster loan that the SBA would offer. So these are programs, essentially they're loans that have always been there, but they're making it much easier for small retail businesses, small businesses in general to qualify and get these loans. Um, The proceeds are intended primarily to pay employees, like especially with the PPP, like that's why it's called payroll protection because they really want to help employers keep people employed right now. Um, but they're also there to help cover costs that your business wouldn't be able to cover because things have been impacted by COVID 19. So, as long as your business has been impacted by COVID 19, you can reach out for these things.
0: Okay, and what are some of the things that they're doing that are like lessening the requirements? Why, what are those things that they're doing for us right now? So, for example, the PPP, uh, it's expanding the usual
1: 7A loan program. And normally, and, and still, you would go to a bank to initiate that loan. And normally, the amount is smaller, and you would have to provide collateral and a personal guarantee and all sorts of documentation. And right now, what they're doing is relaxing several of those. And and honestly, a lot of businesses, like our small retail businesses would not necessarily normally qualify. It may be because um, of the nature of the business, it could be because of the nature of the entity, how we're organized, Um, but they're relaxing those so that you can get in there, get an application filed, and potentially get approved and start getting funds at a much faster rate than you would under the normal method. And specifically under the PPP, you can apply for two and a half times your average monthly payroll expense over the last 12 months. So you'd look at what you've paid out for the last year, basically, and divide that by 12 to to get your average monthly. And you can get two and a half times that amount as your loan.
0: Uh, Oh, go ahead. Sorry, don't mean to Um, interrupt you. That actually leads to my next question is, what's the difference between each of these programs and then how does a shopkeeper decide which one to apply for
1: okay so one program the ppp the the wonderful piece about the ppp is there's actually a large forgivable portion of that so essentially you would apply you'd get a loan you'd spend your loan proceeds and if you spend them on qualified expenses during what they're calling a covered period and that just means during the 8 weeks immediately after you receive funds what you spend it on right then you can then apply afterward go back to that lender and say can i have these this portion of the loan forgiven and the law is written that it's not like the bank is like maybe maybe not you pretty much if you do the right things you get the loan forgiven and in this case this forgiven loan is completely tax free to you so it's basically like the government is giving you a grant to pay your employees, cover your costs, and stay in business. Um, The law actually set it at a 4% interest and 10-year repayment term, but I believe the Treasury has issued guidance for actually implementing this at a much, much lower rate. So you could be getting a loan as low as 0.5% of interest, which is amazing but I've also seen that the repayment period may be as short as two years. But another perk is after you get your forgiven portion on this PPP loan, the remaining balance, all of your payments, including interest, principal interest and any fees will be deferred for six months all the way up to a year. So basically, you get a loan, you use it for good stuff,
0: you get part of that loan
1: forgiven, and then the rest of the loan you don't have to make any payments for at least six months, and it's at an incredibly low interest rate. So it's practically just like an interest-free loan almost. The other option is what's called the EIDL, and that loan is somewhat similar, um, but the perk or the thing that's fancy, that people get excited about with that one is that you can apply right now, uh, you, would, you actually apply for the EIDL via the SBA website, whereas the PPP, you would apply through a bank that is approved by the SBA for, for lending. Um, but the, with the EIDL, you can apply to receive up to $10,000 within three days of applying. And that is basically being given out as a tax-free grant. Um, you know, they're calling it in advance of a loan but you don't have to actually approve, be approved for that loan. You, know, you can apply, get up to the 10K, later either turn down the loan opportunity or get denied for the loan even, and you still are basically, you get to take that money. It may not be the full 10K. Um, we haven't actually seen specific guidance yet about how that amount is actually being determined. But then in the application process you basically check a box and say, yes, I would like to be considered for up to this 10K. So you know, I think this is a really great opportunity. Um, you know, something I've been asked is, is this too good to be true? And I don't think it is. I, I really think that, you know, this is such an unprecedented time for all businesses basically being told you can't have your doors open. It's it's a business scenario that we really have never experienced. So to try to keep us from totally collapsing, the government has made a really good effort at trying to keep things flowing by getting cash in our hands. Um, And then just as far as like the terms of this loan, the EIDL loan, if you do decide to go beyond that 10k, um, you would have a 30-year term, and I believe the interest rate max would be 3.75%. And then you may, this may be your next question. So I'll go ahead and answer this. Um, (laughs) If you get that 10K advance or up to the 10K and you also apply for a loan under the PPP, which you can do, um, that 10K would reduce whatever amount gets forgiven under the PPP because you've already kind of been given free money. So they would just net that against it but you are totally able to apply for both. Um, There is no problem with doing both. Um, And they don't, um, the only thing would be don't try to claim the same expenses
0: on both. Right, okay, so just because I think it helps to kind of recap, you covered a lot there. So the EIDL, people would apply online and Mm -hmm. I'll try to include the link for that in the show notes. That's an online application through the SBA. And then the PPP, you have to apply with a banker, a a bank that's pre-approved to do SBA loans. Correct. And actually, that's another piece
1: of the legislation is that the SBA is expanding who they will work with so that more banks will be able to work with you. So if you have reached out to banks in the past and sought SBA funding, Uh, You may have thought, oh, this isn't for me or I can't be approved for this. I don't qualify. You probably qualify now. So definitely reach out to those banks, check with your local
0: bank. Um, They're, they're expanding the availability massively. Okay. And then from what I've read and just from what I've learned from you, it sounds like you could like, just like what you mentioned, you could apply for both, but it sounds like the PPP, definitely works more in the favor of people that have employees. Do I understand that correctly? I, I think so. I, the, the intention behind the
1: PPP is definitely to support keeping people employed. And it is definitely based on your payroll expense. So if you have no payroll expense beyond perhaps yourself, um, but your other expenses are quite high, you would probably want to seek out the EIDL because the actual loan amount that you qualify for under the PPP is definitely based solely on your payroll.
0: Okay, and then two other things that I just want to clarify. So the, the PPP, the term on that, I've heard anywhere between two and 10 years for the term on the loan portion of it.
1: The, yes, so the legislation said a, a term up to 10 years. The actual implementation appears to be at two years. I would check when you apply and confirm that with your banker because what I'm not certain about is, is it flexible or have they actually issued, it's definitely two years. because uh, I've okay. only seen the two years in a couple of places. So I, I can't say with certainty as of when we're recording this, <laughs> that it's definitely two years for everyone or if there's something that triggers that.
0: Okay. And that makes sense because it seems like every day something's changing so just everyone keep that in mind. And then the EIDL, it sounds like that is a 30-year term on that loan.
1: Right. Everything I've seen on that one seems to still be implemented at a 30-year term. I think the primary difference with that is because there, there's always a, this disaster loan program available for certain you know, like locations or events, um, but they're making this massively expanded mostly to so more people can apply for it get that 10, up to 10 K advance. And then I think most of the rest of the terms
0: are fairly similar. Okay. and um, but either way, whether you choose the PPP, the EIDL, or, or you choose to apply for both, there are no prepayment penalties.
1: Correct. Yep. If like, so if, if say you get one of these loans and you spend your money and you get forgiven a portion and then you have, you know, a remaining balance and you're like, you know what, I'm not comfortable having that loan. You know, I I didn't know how much I'd need. Here's what I actually spent. You can just pay back the the remaining balance and not even have to have a loan and then never make a payment on it um, because you just paid it back up front. And because they are deferring things, there will be no accrual of interest or anything until later. So It would be okay.
0: Okay. So then the next question is, and this is the biggest one, because I understand that most small retail business owners do not want to incur any debt unless they have to. Many of us bootstrap our businesses. Um, And I know this isn't the most fun topic to talk about, so bear with us here, but how does the forgiveness portion of these loans work? Like, that's the big question most of us have. How do we know what will be forgiven? So...
1: Definitely with both of these loans, getting the funds to start with is going to be fairly low in the paperwork, but you will eventually have to produce all that paperwork. And part of that is to get the forgiveness. One, you're going to have to produce um, proof of how you spent your money. The period of time that matters for getting the loan forgiven is from the date that the loan originates, which means the date you sign it and receive the money from the loan you will then have eight weeks from that date. That's the portion that they're looking at to see if you know is this forgivable. So you'll have eight weeks of potentially forgivable spending. Then you approve those expenses, go back to your bank with that information. I'm sure there's you know, gonna be some interesting paperwork to file with it. And then once that, the bank says, yep, you've, you've followed the rules, you've spent your money in the right ways, this is what's getting forgiven, that is tax-free. There is no taxable income from that forgiven portion. And then whatever portion is not forgiven will then just convert to becoming a regular loan or stay as a loan, I guess. And then you would have the, the payment terms that were originally part of your loan. Okay. And
0: oh, go ahead. Might,
1: <laughs> I was say that might be a question. I'm, I was just thinking um, if you get the, um, the up to the 10K under the EIDL, so first, the EIDL loan has no loan forgiveness provisions in it. But what it does have is you can apply now and within three days receive $10, 000, or sorry, up to $10,000 of a, like a cash advance on a loan. Except that what they've then said is it is a cash advance on a loan, but it's, you don't have to repay it. So it's essentially a tax-free grant. Now, if you do receive that, let's say you do get the full 10K any amount that you receive under the PPP that gets forgiven would be reduced by the 10K. So if you had, you know, say you get a 10K grant from EIDL, then you get a $100,000 loan from PPP and say $80,000 of that loan is forgivable, you would actually only have 70,000
0: of it forgivable because you'd have to reduce it by that 10K. Okay. So, just to summarize that, with the PPP, you're essentially going to be able to pay up to eight weeks of expenses for your business once that loan closes. And if you submit the correct or the right documentation, 80% of that will be forgiven. And with the EIDL, you can get up to, and no one knows how this is calculated, but if you apply, you can get up to $10,000 for that advance portion of the loan. And that is a tax-free grant, but then there's still the loan that comes with that if you choose to accept the loan. Correct. Okay. And then I just want to point out, because this is something that you and I talked about in master shopkeepers is that we all have a lot of paperwork as small business owners that we accumulate over the years. And in order to, to apply for a lot of these programs and even state programs or local programs that are coming out, we should all start to collect that documentation now, our, you know, past two or three year tax returns, our profit and loss statements, any kind of financial information that you feel you would most likely need on a loan application, we should start to collect and gather all of that now so that we're not overwhelmed when the banker or someone asks us for that.
1: Correct, and if you are planning to apply for the PPP loan, I would definitely um, go through your payroll records clearly, and if you can run reports to show how much you're paying out each month, what you've paid over the course of the year, um, determining how many employees you have, those are the kinds of things you'll need to even start the application process.
0: Okay, and I also love that you said, like, make sure that your bookkeeping is caught up. That's going to be really important, so... If you haven't filed your taxes yet for 2019 and that's been extended and most of us probably haven't, just make sure that your bookkeeping is caught up at least through the end of 2019. So I I appreciated that you said that because I know it's easy for a lot of us to put that off. So go ahead and get get that stuff done, especially if you have the extra time now. Um, So the next question I want to ask you about, and this one kind of throws people off as well, but Now, in addition to the two small business programs that they're offering, now there's also an element of unemployment benefits. So can you tell me about that? Sure. So the unemployment benefits may be a little vague still
1: because unemployment is administered by each individual state and the CARES Act is a federal piece of legislation. But essentially what the federal government is saying is hey states, we're gonna give you money. We want you to expand who is eligible for unemployment in your state and we want to give you extra money for each of them. So there's a potential to get like a flat extra $600 per person per week who is covered on unemployment. They're expanding, it, and the states have to choose to accept the federal government's terms. Um, I anticipate most states will say yes and figure out how to accept the money Uh, from our call this morning. And what I've heard so far is that most states don't seem to be um, like, if you go to the website and try to file, you can't find your way to file yet. Um, So don't fret. Um, It is on its way. (laughs) It's just not there yet. Uh, But if you've seen like valid coverage on the news in your state that says that they intend to do it and they have done it or something, like we're in Ohio and you know our governor has said, yes, we're going to be expanding the unemployment. It's just not there for you to find it and do it yet. Uh, so don't panic. But um, the expansion for who's eligible is, normally self-employed individuals would not be eligible, but now you may actually be eligible. So if you have had to shut down your store, and you are either fully unemployed or even in some cases partially unemployed, you may actually be able to file for unemployment. And I believe you can file for unemployment and collect benefits and file for uh, the PPP or EIDL loans, assuming that you are not trying to double dip anything. So you may be able to get unemployment to cover the fact that you aren't able to work and you may be able to use the loan funds for things like your rent and utilities. Um, I'm not exactly certain how you know, what the balance on that is, but in theory, you should be able to do both.
0: Okay, so just to clarify again, mm-hmm. um, sure. under the CARES Act, I mean, obviously your employees, if you've had to close, they are able to collect unemployment. And then under the CARES Act, those employees are getting an additional $600 per week in unemployment. And now under the CARES Act as well, they're saying if you're self-employed or a 1099 subcontractor, depending on your state, you might be able to file for unemployment too under that same act. Correct. That is my understanding. Okay. But of course, we always want to be careful about not, not double dipping. So if you take the PPP, PPP loan you want to make sure that you're using that. If you are in fact filing for unemployment, you use the loan then to pay for everything else, not for your salary and not for your employees who are collecting unemployment. Correct. And the other piece that the CARES Act takes care of is
1: um, say that your employees, you did have to terminate them temporarily because of closing the store for COVID. Ordinarily, that kind of event would not qualify them for unemployment because you aren't terminating them for any coverable reason but under this case closures for COVID-19 are covered and it does not penalize you or you know go against your account your unemployment account so normally when your employees or ex-employees file for unemployment it's tracked on your unemployment account but in this case if the unemployment is related to covid-19 that will not impact your your account which is also pretty cool for employers
0: yeah that's great because then their rates their unemployment or whatever they pay to unemployment their rates won't go up this isn't like they're not getting dinged for this
1: correct yeah the, it's essentially the federal government stepping in and trying to provide help in every way possible through all the
0: means out there okay now, the document that you and I reviewed—I barely reviewed it. You've looked at it almost in its entirety. There's so much on it, but I feel like the one other thing that might affect some of our listeners um, was the was the payroll credits. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. So, if this is an area where I feel like a lot of our smaller retail stores—you know, it's just one or two people—and um, payroll may not be the primary expense. But if payroll is a significant portion of your activity, um, they've made available two ways to kind of fund as you go instead of applying for a PPP or EIDL grant or loan. Um, So there's a payroll credit, I think it's a relief, it's called, and then there's a payroll tax credit. Um, So you can essentially, now you can only take these credits if you do not Take any funds under the PPP or EIDL. So, if you go this way, you would defer a portion of your employment taxes, or you can use, and you can also defer a portion of, let's see, how does, basically, you're deferring your po- employment taxes. So, the Social Security tax that you would normally pay on your employees each pay period, you don't have to pay those right now, you would pay them later. So it frees up that cash for you to cover
0: other expenses in your business in the meantime, or okay. to continue at least paying your employees. And if people have questions regarding that, obviously they can contact their payroll provider or their accountant just to clarify the credit offer. Correct,
1: I, I would definitely, because the the way it's written, it's a lot of um, 50% of this minus 50% of that and it gets really detailed in in calculating it and I feel like payroll can be kind of complex on its own and then trying to figure out these deferrals gets a little tricky Um, but if you were sitting there trying to decide should I go with payroll credits or with a loan or grant um, my you know my initial reaction is it's probably easier and possibly more relevant to a small retail shop to go for one of the loan options just because payroll is not a significant a portion and it's only based on the payroll taxes so you know we're talking like six percent of whatever you normally pay somebody okay if that's a helpful criteria for you
0: okay and then a couple other things that i think you and i both agree we, we wanted to mention is the first one is to to watch for fraud you know we all know the scam artists are popping out and there's so much to be concerned about so make sure you're using valid links if you're applying for something and do you have any other recommendations for people on how to avoid um, avoid the fraud that's going on right now?
1: I would definitely say if you get something in the mail, if you get a phone call that you don't recognize or even an email from um, you know that you don't normally get an email from saying, hey, you know, check out this, what you can get. And, and it may look totally legit. Um, I would not jump on responding to that directly. Um, in fact, I get a lot of things like well, just even without COVID stuff, I get all these weird things that I'm like, I know that this is fraud or someone they may not be fraud, but it's someone taking advantage of me not knowing something. Um, it could be totally legal for them to do it, but it's not valid. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I would just say anything that you receive, double check it against something else. So usually I'll, I'll look at that website that they put in there or the link and I'll see if I can find it through other means, check, you know, do other places link to the same thing or, you know, call a friend with another business and say, Hey, did you get this? Um, But I I generally, and I generally would just say, don't respond to somebody seeking you out, seek it out yourself is usually what
0: I tell people. Yeah. Especially anyone asking for personal information, another good, uh, sign of a scam is who is the email from? If you look at the email mm-hmm. address of who sent it to you, sometimes that's a really clear sign that it's a scam artist. So we just want to make sure we protect our listeners so they know that. And then the w- other thing that I want to mention, and Sarah might have more, but the one thing that I want to mention is a couple days ago, a Savvy Shopkeepers group member, her name is Jessica. She owns Letter Jess and I'll link her in the show notes because I always appreciate people that are really helpful but she formerly worked in the banking industry for 19 years and she's been called back to do some SBA loan work just to help with the workload. I can't even imagine, but she made a good point about, you know, giving yourself a little bit of grace and giving the bankers a little bit of grace because this is such a crazy time and they are going to be so inundated. And again, even as Sarah and I researched for the class that we taught this morning and this episode, Things are changing constantly, and um, I don't want to say terms, but there's just a constant flow of information and updates. So just make sure that you um, are patient and practice patience with the bankers. Um, Sarah, is there anything else that you think we should cover before we go?
1: Um, I guess, yeah, on that, just on the vein of what you just said, I would just reiterate that you know, the legislation was passed on Friday late at night. Um, it is written very openly, it's very vague, so that it can be interpreted and implemented quickly. And that's why there's not necessarily definitive information everywhere, because it's trickling down through the agencies that implement these things. And they're determining exactly how to actually send it out to everyone and make it actually make sense. Like, um, so like you know, when you go to these different websites and you're like, wait, why can't I apply yet? I know this exists. It's because I haven't had time to design it and upload it and put it out there for you. And if you, you know, as you're trying to apply for things, if things don't make sense or they're glitchy or different things, be patient know that it's not cause someone's trying to hurt you or keep you from getting something. It's probably just because it was thrown together so fast. So do be patient and know that, I mean, like even the, the filing date, I think tomorrow is actually the technical first day to apply for the PPP loans so you know we haven't missed the boat yet by not having taken action yet so
0: yeah that's a great point because as we're recording this is april 2nd and you can't even apply for a ppp loan until april 3rd and i know in the state of ohio for example they haven't implemented any type of application process for anyone who's self-employed or a 1099 contractor so everything is still really fluid um, so that's a, a great point all right, I, I think that covers the basics. Hopefully, people found this helpful. I really want um, people to know how to find you. So, can you share your website link or where to show, where to find you on social media? Sure. Um, so, my you can
1: find me on the web at um, weweprofitfoundry dot and you can find me on social media at weprofitfoundry. Okay, I'm on, okay. Uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook.
0: Okay. And then one last thing, because I think this is really important and people should join your group. What is your free Facebook group?
1: Oh, okay. So my Facebook group is called financially confident women entrepreneurs. And it's, you know, for any woman who owns a business basically. And we just talk about all the concepts around money and getting comfortable with it. All
0: the fun stuff. (laughs) Yep, I'd love to have you there. All right. Thank you. Thank you for everything you've done this week. Um, People don't realize the behind the scenes you've put in dozens and dozens of hours of reading and research and clarifying. So I really appreciate it. And I appreciate that you came on to record this episode with me. So if anyone has any questions, you can ask in Savvy Shopkeepers or in Sarah's group. All right. Thanks again, Sarah. I appreciate it. Sure. No problem.